where we were last week. As we continue our, our story time with Jesus series, last week we looked at uh, the uh, souls. We looked at where we were and we talked about our call to sow seeds, sow seeds of love. Uh, and we're going to continue today looking at things that we have been called to do. I had what I really thought was a, a great sermon that would really inspire you prepared. And then at my first ever event yesterday, in front of the mayor and most of the community, I was told I had to cluck like a chicken, call a pig, which I did very well, and I had to scream and dance. So today we're going to change and we're going to have a new sermon series called How to Treat Your Pastor. <laughs> and at any point in time, Mr. Jerry Jackson may have to do animal noises. But now yesterday was a great time. I mean, it was a wonderful experience. Um, man, I, I'm looking forward to it. I've got to work on my watermelon eating technique because I didn't do very well. But we're going to keep getting better. Uh, a lot of fun. Those of you that were here, thank you so much. Uh, Jerry, thank you for leading that up. Uh, the community really enjoyed that event yesterday. Uh, let's pray. Father God, we come to you today. I ask you to remove me from this place. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In your name, amen. Today's scripture is going to be found in Luke chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 25 through 37. That can be found on page 844 in your pew Bible. Uh, but we're going to be in Luke 10, uh, 25 is where we'll pick up. I do invite you, if you can, to stand in reverence of the reading of the gospel this morning. Luke 10, picking up with verse 25. One more note here. As we're reading this today, keep in mind that from Luke 9 to Luke 19, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to die. He's already proclaimed that. So when these people are hearing this story, they know that he has said he is going to die. Okay, so let's pick up there. Uh, verse 25. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus, saying, Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have been given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, Jesus, he asked Jesus, and who then is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jer Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you for whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? He said the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, Go 
and do likewise. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. So you may be seated. So we've got ourselves an interesting story here today. Uh, And most of the time, you probably think, okay, we're going to talk about being a good Samaritan. We're going to talk about helping people. And then we're going to go to lunch real quick. And that would have been the plan, except Jerry messed it up yesterday. So for the next hour, we're going to look at the historical. But I do want to take a look at this story from a very different point of view today. I want us to put ourselves there as if we were these Jewish men listening to this story. They would have had a total different interpretation of it than we do. First, uh, the man that stands up is said to be an expert of the law. Okay, he's talking biblical law. So he knew the answer to the question before he asked Jesus. He's trying to trap Jesus. He's trying to justify how great he is. So when he asks this question, Jesus flips it back on him like he often does. And he says, well, what? you're the expert. What does the law say? And there's a very familiar passage there uh, where he's quoting the Old Testament. And he says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus just simply said, you're right. Do that and you will live. And remember, the question is, how do I gain eternal life? So Jesus says, do that and you will live. But live when? Live now? Live forever? When? What does that mean, Jesus? And so the guy says, you know what? I love God that much. I know the laws. I follow the rules. I follow the rituals. I'm there. I do what I'm supposed to do. And I love my neighbors. So I'm going to watch this. I'm going to make myself look good. So Jesus, well then, who is my neighbor? And that's when Jesus starts telling this story. Because just like, them, just like us, most of them would have thought well, their neighbors were the people similar to them. Same community, same religion, same political beliefs, etc., etc. And Jesus completely changes things. This road going from Jerusalem to Jericho is really kind of weird. It's about a 17 to 18 mile road that goes through and actually you have to go down to go north. It's really, and these people would have been very familiar with that. And these roads, they turn and they twist, and there were a lot of caves and a lot of hideouts. And it was well known that if you went down this road, you had a chance of getting robbed. So we've got people leaving Jerusalem, this holy city, heading down this dangerous road towards Jericho. So when Jesus starts telling this story, people know, man, this this guy's going to be in bad shape. He does not need to be doing. This is not good for him. And so then when they hear that he was beaten and he was robbed and he was left half dead, it's nothing new. They had probably even seen that a time or two. But as Jesus starts telling the story, I have to imagine the Jews that were there kept getting more and more disturbed by what they were hearing. First, here comes the priest. Oh, that's great, man. You know, if you're going to get beat up and left on the side of the road to die and you had to pick one person to come by, a priest would probably be one I would pick. I would hope that a pastor would stop and say, man, this person needs help. It's not what happens. The man doesn't even walk past him. He crosses the road and keeps on going. 
It's really irrelevant why the man did it. Was he trying to stay clean because priests weren't allowed to touch dead people? Was he afraid he was going to get attacked himself? It's really irrelevant. He passes by. So next, here comes a Levite. Well, okay, good. So this person's a lay leader. They're a choir director. They're a Sunday school teacher. They're somebody that will certainly stop and help. He does the same thing. Again, the reasons are irrelevant. But both men, the priest and the Levite, represent religion. Formal religion of the Jewish law. And neither one of them stopped to help this man. So now the Jews are sitting there and they're going, man, those guys, yeah, there's rules and there's laws, but there's exceptions and they could have helped this guy. This guy's going to die because our priest and one of our church leaders didn't do anything to help him. This is not good. And then Jesus says the most disturbing thing he could have ever said. Here comes a Samaritan. The Samaritans were the most hated group by the Jewish community. The Samaritans didn't even welcome Jesus. When Jesus knew that he was going to die and he sent disciples out in front of him, the Samaritan village did not welcome his disciples. James and John, they even want to call down fire and burn them all to death. So Jesus has not even been welcomed by Samaritans. We're talking... You can take anything you want. Clemson, Carolina, Burns, Dorman. You can take anything you want and multiply it by whatever, a million. And that's the hatred these people had for each other. So this Samaritan, what's he going to He's going to go over there and kick the guy while he's down probably. But no, he's not. He's going to get down off his donkey. He's going to cross the street and put himself in danger. Am I going to get assaulted when I get there? Is this a setup? Is a Jewish community going to be waiting there to attack me? It doesn't matter. He has pity. He has compassion on this man. And he goes over and he gets down on his level. This man is naked and beaten and dying. And he cleans him up. He puts expensive oil and wine to clean, to take the pain away, to wrap the bandages around this man. Puts him up on his donkey. He has to lift this man from the ground to put him up on his donkey. This enemy, this stranger, this person he has never seen and never heard one positive word about. And he does it anyway. But see, the story doesn't stop there. He then takes him to the end. And it says the next day he paid. So that means he spent the night with this man to make sure that he was going to live. To make sure that this man was going to survive. The Samaritan stayed the night and then paid the two silver coins, some translations say. Most people would say that's about a two days wage, which would have paid for about a three and a half week stay at the end. And so now, okay, good, the Samaritan's done what he was supposed to do. He's loved this guy even though he shouldn't have. And he's, had, he's got him taken care of. In my mind, that's probably enough. In my human mind, I'm thinking, wow, that's awesome. That guy's a great guy. And he goes on about his way. But then he tells the innkeeper something even more amazing. I will come back to pay the difference. I will come back to check on him. This man went all in. He cared for this man the same exact way he would have cared for himself if he was beaten and hurt and able to take care of that. 
So the Jews sitting there listening to this story have got to be not only just frustrated, but angry at a fictional person, a Samaritan. It's hard for us to understand how much they didn't like each other. So Jesus says, which one was the neighbor? The expert will not even say the Samaritan. The third one. He just says the one that showed him mercy. Now in their hearts right now, here's what's happening. These Jews are sitting there with Jesus and they've all but been told there's nothing you can do to gain eternal life. That was the original question. What can I do to gain eternal life? And Jesus paints a picture that is so far-fetched, so out of left field, that no Jewish man would have said, I can go and do that. Oh, I can do that. Oh, that's easy. Yeah, I can love that guy in the ditch. Jesus might as well have said, there is nothing in your human power you can do to gain eternal life. And it would have meant the exact same thing to the Jewish people. That's why I think it's important to, to take some time to look at the historical context of this story. We have to fully understand what's going on. When Jesus said, go and do likewise to these Jewish men, they knew they couldn't do it. They would have realized that they could not do this on their own. They probably would have left frustrated. It's the goal that Jesus set so high that they know they can't reach. So where does that leave us here today in, in our church? It depends on what you take away from the parable. I've always taken away, hey, go and love people. Go and help people. And that's great. And that's what we're called to do. But as I studied this week, it really ate at my heart that if that's all I take away from this parable, I have cheapened what Jesus is trying to say. So here's some things that I think we can do. This parable is about love. It is about compassion. It is about helping our neighbor. And we may be trying as hard as we can to become like the Samaritan, but we definitely don't start off that way. So we don't really start off, if we're putting ourselves in this, in this story, if we're really being honest, we're not the Samaritan. We're not the priest. We're not the Levite. And this may be hard to hear, but we're the man in the ditch. Beaten, broken, hurting, in pain, disregarded, and helpless. But just at the right time when we are powerless, someone passes by and crosses the road and gets down in the ditch with us, bandages us, provides for our pain, shows us compassion like we could never explain. This person that crosses the street, this person that comes down and gets down in our ditch and takes care of us is Jesus Christ. In this parable, Jesus Christ is the Good Samaritan. He is, He will always be, He has been, you, any way you want to paint it, Jesus Christ is the Good Samaritan. But when we have been so transformed and so moved that Jesus Christ did that for us, we can slowly begin come, becoming like the Good Samaritan. We can take what Christ has done for us and because we're so overwhelmed with that love, 
we can then go and start sharing that same compassion with other people. So I want to tell the story real quick again. With Andrew in it, you can hear it or tell it in your mind with you in it. And let's see how this might be a little bit different. So there was a man going down the road in life. Difficult times. Bad news. Loss of job. Bad medical report. Bad family situation. And felt so beat up by the world that they laid there helpless. Beat up, beat down, bloodied by the addictions and the sins and all the evil things that we deal with in our society. The hatred from one group to the other, whatever. And as we're laying there, here comes a preacher. Here comes religion. Here comes being good. Here comes perfect attendance at church. Here comes volunteering just so you feel like you're good enough. And none of it helps us. None of it makes any of the wounds feel any better. But then here comes Jesus Christ. He gets down on our level. And He picks us up. He dusts us off. He bandages us up. He carries us on His own back to a place where we can be made well. He carries us straight to the cross and pays way more than two silver coins. He gives His entire life for us, people that did not deserve it. An unsuspected Savior. A carpenter's son. Neglected, pushed aside, and hated by religion. Comes and saves us. I've been asked several times, why do I get so excited, so emotional when I talk about Jesus Christ? It's because I've been laying in the ditch and He got me out of it. See, if you're going to be serious about this Christianity thing, you've got to realize you were in a ditch. And Jesus Christ got you out of it. If we're going to be serious about that as a church, we have to realize that as a church, we've been in the ditch. We don't deserve the blessings that He gives us. But He pulls us out of it. And He says, you know what? We can break all the stereotypes. We can get rid of all that stuff because I've paid the price. So, for the people in the ditch, the priest, the Levite, the sin that we struggle with, the temptations that we have, that place in our heart where we know we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. None of it makes us feel any better. And then Jesus Christ pays for our sin. He tells the innkeeper, now this is, this, this story is the gospel in itself and we've missed it so many times but here's what he tells the innkeeper and here's what gives us hope here's what gives us uh, encouragement regardless of what you're going through in your life he says he's coming back he says I'm coming back and whatever else is owed I'll pay that to you so today as we get ready to close I don't know what we're struggling with I don't know where you are in your life but I want you to at least hear two things today. I don't care what life has done to you. Jesus Christ has paid the ultimate price for your life. All you have to do, all you have to do is let him pick you up out of the ditch. The second thing that I want you to make sure that you know before you leave today is that this church and me as this pastor, 
of this church, we love you. Regardless of what you're going through in life, you are loved, you are welcomed, and I encourage you to continue to come and be a part of what God is doing here. And if there's anything that you need to talk about, I encourage you to contact me. Because God's coming back. Jesus is coming back. And when he does, we're going to be held accountable for not only how we lived as individuals, but did we go and do likewise like he tells us to do. So my question and my challenge to us, church, is this. Are we going to be about religion? Are we going to be about tradition? Are we going to be about a simple small church hidden in the back community of welfare? And are we going to cross the road on the other side? Or are we going to be about the death and the life and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And are we going to go and show compassion for those that people don't think we should? That's our challenge. What are we going to do with this call to show compassion? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The altar is open for any.